Morena, and welcome to the morning chorus. Not so much a dawn chorus today, but a morning chorus. I'm Bernard Hickey for the Kaka. I've spent uh, a few hours now having a really good look through a big speech from Chris Bishop, who is the Housing, Infrastructure and RMA Reform Minister. The speech yesterday to the Chamber of Commerce is, in my view, the most interesting, ambitious and potentially useful speech by a housing minister in a decade. Uh, It has some flaws, and a lot of things have to happen, actually happen, rather than just be talked about. But it's worth taking a deeper dive into what Chris Bishop talked about in his speech, what he said in interviews after the speech, and just um, weave in the context of uh, why... Uh, the new National Act New Zealand First Government is looking at doing the things it has done or it is thinking of doing and uh, how that compared with previous efforts to deal with housing affordability. So I just wanted to um, firstly um, play you some of the speech that Chris Bishop uh, gave to uh, the Wellington Chamber of Commerce yesterday uh, in which he'd said some things about Uh, the reasons for uh, improving housing affordability that I haven't heard from another housing minister recently. And he made some comments that are, in in my view, very direct and passionate and accurate. So here's Chris Bishop talking to the Wellington Chamber of Commerce yesterday. The second thing I want to talk about is the fiscal case for housing supply. Last year, the government spent $5 billion on housing assistance. Over $5 billion. Now, if that amount stays flat over a four-year budget period, the New Zealand government will spend $20 billion just on helping people to be housed. That's on income-related rent, emergency housing, accommodation supplement. There's a multiplicity of housing subsidies littered through the system in order to design to deal with the structural failure uh, of our housing market. So that's $20 billion. That is 15 transmission gully motorways in four years on housing subsidies. We subsidise social housing. We pay for emergency housing grants, a million dollars a day. We pay for transitional housing. We help people with their bond payments, and so it goes on. So a failure for successive governments to reform housing has made it extremely expensive for government. And every dollar we spend on housing subsidies is money we can't spend on schools, on more police, on better cancer treatment, uh, and so on. The third thing I'd like to mention is the moral case for housing market reform. I actually believe housing is a moral issue. I don't think anyone looks at mums forced to go into labour in cars in Rotorua because they can't find a house and think think that that is a moral or just outcome. How is it moral that 3,000 New Zealand families live in motels uh, for months upon months at a time, bouncing from grotty unit, often surrounded by squalor, uh, crime, uh, and poverty. This, this is state neglect on an industrial scale and it is entirely self-inflicted and it is entirely unnecessary. What we have created in New Zealand is a situation where this sort of neglect is in- institutionalised uh, and normalised. But it's not just about emergency housing. The simple truth, if we're honest with ourselves, is that young people today don't have the same opportunity to get into the housing market as their parents did 
uh, or their grandparents. This is an issue of intergenerational equity. Young people stare at our broken housing market and they think that they have no hope of ever owning a home. Uh, and for many, they are right. They don't. And then we wonder why so many leave New Zealand. Now, most of my friends live offshore. The lure of London, Sydney, New York is always going to be attractive to young Kiwis. But our housing market is standing at the departure lounge in Auckland Airport in big neon writing, telling them to get on a plane. And it's the giant sucking sound at the heart of the New Zealand economy saying to them, don't bother coming home. So there's um, Chris Bishop um, with some pretty strong words and um, genuinely held. The question is, so what's he going to do about it? And uh, this is where it gets difficult. He detailed a five-pronged strategy based around the idea of a housing supply shock that um, drove down the price of houses to buy and rents uh, as a share of income. This is not a new idea, and it's quite a popular idea with um, those people uh, on both the left and the right as a solution for housing unaffordability. Um, however, uh, it's not the only solution in my view. Chris Bishop talked about the potential to swamp the market with new uh, land available for housing. And the idea is that land developers, land owners would see that there was a huge swathe of supply about to hit the market and uh, look to drive down prices or at least um, hold them steady and let income growth improve that house price to income multiple. But we've been here before, sadly. The previous National Housing Minister was Nick Smith. And for those of you who weren't around, um, or maybe you were and you've forgotten, uh, it's worth having a look at what Nick Smith planned to do in terms of swamping the market with housing supply. Uh, this, um, uh, this developed in 2013 as the Special Housing Area Legislation, the so-called SHARS. Now, this is where uh, fast tracking of uh, the rezoning of residential land in and around our bigger cities was effectively uh, forced through from the centre. So there were various acts of parliament in which land was forced uh, into zoning at residential. And the idea was that councils seemed reluctant to zone land for housing, and the only way to do it was to force them to do it. And there was a lot of land that was rezoned as residential. Some of it brownfields, often greenfields. This is where farms were rezoned residential with the expectation that somehow they would suddenly and quickly turn into affordable homes. That didn't happen. So uh, Auckland is a good example where there have been various studies on what happened to prices and the number of homes that were built on special housing area land. And in short, hardly any of the homes built were what you'd call affordable or in the affordable category. So as is the case with New Zealand's housing market, where we have a whole bunch of relatively small scale builders doing often three, four bedroomed homes with a couple of garages, often standalone homes on land, uh, they are targeted not at first home buyers, but for older buyers who've already got a lot of equity in their home. 
and they're looking for a retirement home or a home that can handle some teenage kids or the likes. It really is only open to those people who already own homes. Often the homes are not for people to live in permanently. They might be second homes, holiday homes, those sorts of things. Because that's the way our market is set up. It's designed for people who are investing in residential land. It's not designed to provide affordable housing. Because if you're going to do that, you'd build lots of apartments and relatively small homes without garages. We're starting to see that now with the likes of some build-to-rent homes. And typically, and this is the case in most parts of the world, the only people who are able to build affordable-style homes, ones that can be uh, rented out for a reasonable rent or purchased uh, for a relatively low multiple to incomes, that is typically done by the state, and it is subsidised. And that's been the case in New Zealand over the years as well. So there is a market failure in the housing market, and even more so in New Zealand. And I think that's not just a result of um, the rules that make it difficult to not just zone land, but build on that land. The way it's framed by the current government, actually, and the previous Labour government and the national government before, before that, is that somehow all we have to do is change the rules and then councils will magically go ahead and rezone land and support the creation of new housing. We know now that it's not just about the lines on maps. It's also about whether councils feel it's in their interests to not just zone the land, but to support it with infrastructure. So that means paying for pipes, paying for roads, paying for put footpaths, taking on extra debt to do it or increasing rates to do it. Surprise, surprise, uh, the people who vote in council elections often don't want new people living near them. They certainly don't want the debt that comes with paying for the infrastructure for them. And just quietly, they don't want the extra supply of uh, land available for housing coming onto the market because that reduces their own capital gains from residential land. So this is a constant problem where the, the government wants new house, houses built and uh, instead councils agree or are forced to rezone, but the houses don't get built. But it's not just coming from the council uh, side of things. Often a lot of developers are actually not really in the business of building new homes on land. They're in the business of land banking. That's where the real money is. That's where you can get a mortgage from a bank, where you can sit on the land, get the capital gain, it's tax-free, and you don't even have to take the risk of uh, building a house. Just sit on the land. It's, it's come to the point now where a lot of the developable land in and around our bigger cities are owned by a relatively few number of people who aren't leveraged, aren't being forced to sell their land and are happy to just sit there knowing that house, that land price inflation has been much faster than income or uh, consumer price inflation uh, in Aotearoa, New Zealand for 30 years. And the banks are comfortable with that as well. They're relatively liquid assets. They are clearly identifiable. And um, the tax-free capital gains are extraordinary to the point where it makes no point it makes no sense to invest in other types of assets. Now, this is um, important because if you put all your eggs into the supply shock basket to try to improve affordability, then you uh, risk becoming hostage to land banking situations. Now, one of the good things about Chris Bishop's speech is that he's acknowledged, unlike 
uh, Nick Smith and the previous national government, let, not let alone the, the previous Labour government, that the central government is going to have to get involved to help out with the funding for all this infrastructure in a couple of different ways. Firstly, uh, it needs to help the councils get hold of some extra revenue. ACT have proposed that councils get a share of GST revenue, in particular a share of the revenue from building materials, as an incentive for councils to um, uh, approve consents for building. National has said, and they did say it in their coalition agreement, that they would also look at this, and Chris Bishop confirmed that in his speech yesterday. Now, there will be a bevy of Treasury officials in the background ready to leap up and down and stop any sort of proposal like that getting to a cabinet table, but it's certainly encouraging that at least National is still thinking about that. Secondly, um, there was talk about uh, value capture uplift. Now, this is uh, something that councils can actually do right now, where um, they um, put a targeted rate on a certain part of land that has just been rezoned so that uh, when uh, a landowner gets the unearned benefit of the rezoning, some of that goes back to the council to help pay for the infrastructure needed to build housing and the other infrastructure around that. Now, councils could do that right now, yet they haven't. And uh, there's some interesting political economy issues around that. Turns out landowners like um, unearned capital gains, particularly when they're tax-free, and um, see um, this as a birthright of being a, a part of New Zealand's ruling class. Get to know the council and the councillors and the planners, understand the process, buy the farms before anyone else knows they're about to be rezoned, argue for the rezoning, and collect those uh, tax-free capital gains, which are explosive. And this is exactly what happened during the special housing area debacle from 2013 onwards. A lot of people made a lot of money, at least on paper, and certainly uh, money that a bank was confident enough on paper to lend against. And certainly it was um, something that an accountant and an auditor were quite happy to, to note down. So the land banking issue is certainly uh, one that needs to be touched on. However, uh, the proposals in Chris Bishop's speech, and remember they're only ideas at this point, he has said that he will come back to Cabinet by the end of March with some more concrete proposals, and, and those things would have to include the sharing of GST, the uh, value capture idea, and also um, further action on things like congestion charges and water charges, because we know that demand management will have to be one of the ways in which the infrastructure issues are dealt with. And uh, if you're going to raise revenue to help pay for infrastructure, then congestion and water charges have to be one of those ways. The other main problem that I see uh, with the uh, general approach that um, not just this government, but the Labour government has taken is that the idea of um, simply uh, changing the lines on maps and maybe giving council some help on infrastructure charges doesn't address the fundamental incentives for both households and landowners and business um, builders to invest. At the moment, because we do not tax capital gains, 
and because land is the one asset a bank is willing to lend a lot of money on, you see a lot of homeowners, because they own their own home and understand it and get some value out of living on that land, are happy to invest their savings into uh, their own home. Now, those who are lucky enough to get some equity gain out of that can often then leverage that out to buy more homes, either holiday homes uh, or rental properties or residential land. It's the same with a lot of businesses. They understand that the potential returns versus the risks of investing in residential land, particularly if it's leveraged, are extraordinary. Why would you bother trying to build a business or investing in a tech startup or anything like that when the risk-adjusted returns from leveraged investment in land um, that appreciates and is not taxed are far, far, far advanced on anything else? You've got to remember too that New Zealand is in the um, very, not just very unusual, totally unique situation where we do not have a tax on capital gains and we do not have any tax incentives to put money into pension funds. Overseas, there are various incentives at various uh, points in the process of saving so that people put money into pension funds that invest in businesses, often in stock markets, overseas, locally. We do not have that here. If it's a straight choice between putting more money into KiwiSaver or putting money into residential land, it's just no contest. If it's a straight contest between building your own business, building up your skills, trying to save enough money from your job versus just putting any spare time and money into residential land, it's no contest. You have to change those incentives to really make a difference. So, um, in conclusion, uh, and I put this into the email newsletter, if you really were going to do a full court press, everything, all the time, everywhere, to improve housing affordability in a proper way, then you would not only um, do things like value capture, GST sharing, but you would also do things like, well, either a capital gains tax, in my view, actually, uh, that horse is bolted, it is so politically toxic now that you couldn't do it. It's also quite complicated. And when you tax capital gains, you also tax capital gains on business building, on intellectual property, on actual um, uh, increasing the value of businesses. Now, that's something that, that is good about not having a capital gains tax. And if you left that in place, that would uh, improve the incentives to put money into businesses. The key, though, is to ensure that that incentive to put all your spare money into leveraged residential land is removed. The way to do that is to tax land, the value of the land every year. This is something that um, previous uh, tax working groups, including the one to National in 2019, have recommended. And it is completely conventional um, tax Theory, economic policy, which over 120 years uh, economists and policy advisors have said is a very clean, simple, fair uh, tax that um, is a very good way to raise money in a, a way that doesn't distort your economy too much. Now, we used to have land taxes and they were phased out in the 80s and 90s. Uh, my proposal was for a 0.5% tax on residential zoned land that is occupied and a 1.5% land tax on residential land that is either not occupied, so there's a house there and no one lives in it for most of the year, or um, there's just no house on it. 
That changes the incentives for land bankers and for people to own multiple properties which no one actually occupies. And it provides a revenue stream to help service debt for water and public transport infrastructure to completely change the incentives for councils so that the load of infrastructure funding is not completely borne by councils and ratepayers, which has its own political economy problems. Now, the other great thing, I think, uh, from yesterday's uh, speeches and comments from Chris Bishop is that for the first time in a decade, a politician has put their cojones on the line, if you like, by talking about a housing affordability target. So not not even the Labour government, which did have a target, 100,000 new homes in Kiwi Build, uh, no government has really had a target since Nick Smith in uh, 2014 who in an interview um, said he would like to see the house price to income multiple improve to four times uh, uh, house prices. Now, at that point, in uh, nationally and in Auckland, the multiple was more like six or seven times. And now we've heard in an interview that Chris Bishop did last night with Lisa Owen from Checkpoint that uh, there is... Um, a, a, a target, an idea of what we should get to. Now, this is um, good in my view that someone has been brave enough to put it out there. So here's how this came up. It's an interview with uh, uh, Lisa Owen at RNZ's Checkpoint with Chris Bishop last night. So how much do you want house prices to drop? I want house prices to moderate over time. I don't want them to crash tomorrow. That would cause enormous economic and financial instability to people. But what I want is for house prices to moderate over time so that uh, in 10 to 20 years' time, uh, we have we have essentially gone a long way towards solving our housing affordability problem. I want young people who are 15 today to get to the age of 30. So to, to what, though, Minister? Can you, can you give me a percentage or a ratio, an income to, you know, house price ratio? What do you want it to go down to? Well, um, in, in housing markets that we consider to be affordable, uh, a house price to income ratio of between three and five is considered affordable. Uh, that's not the case in most of our major cities right now. So is that uh, your target? Because that's a considerable drop in the value of some property. Well, um, it, it depends. Over time, as you moderate house prices and incomes uh, grow, uh, that is that is what, where we would like to see things get to. But as I say, that's not going to happen immediately and it's not going to even happen right. in the next two to three or four years. This is something that has to happen in the medium to long term. Uh, and unless we do that, house prices will continue to uh, go up and Min- people will continue to be locked out of the housing market. Minister, I just want to be clear on this. So you are aiming to get house prices down to three to five times down the medi- times the median income, is it? That's what you're aiming I, for? I want, I want house prices to be affordable and a, a house uh, price to income ratio of 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, in some cases 13 to 1 in some parts of New Zealand is not affordable. Right, OK. Uh, it, it is, it is I, entrenching I, inequality and poverty in our cities. But I'm asking you your goal, and you've mentioned a ratio of three to five times income. So that's your goal. That's, that's what you're aiming for. Within what time frame? Well, as I say, within the medium to long term, that is... That but is how many the, years uh, is that, Minister? Because that means different well, things not, to different I'm, people. I'm not going to say... I, I, what I'm not going to do, um, Lisa, is um, to do what the last government did, which is say, we'll build 100,000 houses within 10 years. 
Um, land markets and, and the economy is much more complicated than that. What I am saying to you is that we have a extensive and comprehensive work program based on economic evidence to make housing more affordable in the medium to long term. So yes. I don't want to be on your show in five years' time and have you say, oh, Chris Bishop, you told me in uh, 2024 that your house price is to be a certain rate but you, but by you're supposed to be, 2029. You put yourself <laughs> up as a goal-orientated um government with targets and you have boldly stated in your paper to cabinet that you will have a comprehensive plan to quote solve solve New Zealand's housing crisis that's right and I laid out the not the help core it along of, solve it minister that's right and I that's right and I laid out the core elements of that plan uh, this morning in my speech and it's actually what we campaigned on at the election I call it the housing trifecta so we there we have it. Um, Lisa Owen trying to pin down Chris Bishop, and I think generally getting there, uh, he's saying he wants to get down to three to five times income within ten to twenty years. Now he backed backed away a bit from that towards the end as he realised he'd just put his cojones on the block. But um, certainly it's encouraging to see that um, Chris uh, Bishop there, in a way, copying the four times multiple that Nick Smith did in twenty fourteen. Now, you may think, well, that's absolutely impossible. How is he going to get from 10, 11, 12 times income down to four times income in 10 to 20 years? Well, uh, have a look at the chart that's in my email newsletter today from interest.co.nz, who I obviously used to um, uh, help produce and was involved in the creation of these housing affordability targets and uh, you can see there that actually housing affordability is a house price to income multiple. Now, we'll put aside rent to income multiples, but house price to income multiples have dropped from over 10 in parts of Auckland and uh, uh, 9 for all of the country down towards uh, uh, 8 and 6. So 8 times income in Auckland, 6 times income for the rest of the country. So if you got down to 4... That is a halving for Auckland, but not so much of a halving for the rest of the country, certainly when you look at prices that exclude Auckland. And uh, you have to look at how much it's improved in the last two years from that peak in November 2021 of well over 10 in parts of the country. Now that happens when you see nominal house prices fall 20%, and when you have wage inflation that um, is running in some places at 5 to 10%, you do that for two or three years, so falling prices and rising wages, um, you can pretty quickly change that multiple. Now, no one's suggesting that, and certainly Chris Bishop <laughs> ran a mile from suggesting he wants to see house prices crash another 20%. But if you were to hold house prices steady and see income gains of 5% plus in household incomes over the next 20 years, you would get somewhere close to four times income. Now, that's one measure of affordability. I think you should also take into account the uh, rental affordability issue. And uh, I think this is a, a positive development. In fact, in the email newsletter, I've described it as the most interesting and ambitious speech I've heard from a housing minister in more than a decade. And I think it's the most interesting and ambitious thing we've seen out of this government in the 100 days of its existence. I'm Bernard Hickey. That was today's extended uh, course on housing affordability, which is obviously one of the main things we focus on. Thank you to paying subscribers for uh, uh, supporting the work I do covering housing affordability, climate change and 
poverty reduction in Aotearoa New Zealand, which I agree with Chris Bishop, is totally focused on solving housing affordability. You do that, you solve those other two problems as well. And uh, uh, increasing housing supply is one of those stories. I also think changing the, ins- the tax incentives is another. And uh, a full court press involves more than what Chris Bishop is proposing. But if he even gets half of them through, that is a thing. Kakite anō.